Hello, and welcome back to the Book Marketing Tips and Author Success Podcast. Um, This is the first full show of the new year. Um, Happy New Year, Amy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy New Year to everybody listening. We hope that you had a really great holiday. Um, We know it's very difficult to come back the first week of the year. It's like, oh my gosh, it's very hard, but we're so glad that you're here. And I thought that Amy, first off, Amy came up with this idea. We thought that it would be really good to kick off the year understanding the reader journey. So how readers buy books, because I know it's confusing and it's, it's, there are a lot of different layers to it. We're going to try to make this as um, accessible as possible, just because it's not, we don't have to get into, to complexities and and all of this other stuff. But we get, uh, when I talk to authors about proposals, a lot of times the first thing that they'll ask me is how much, how many books can I expect to sell from the work that you're going to do? That's a very difficult question to answer, if not impossible. And part of it is that part, part of the reason the where this question comes from, and I understand that, is that before you make an investment in a marketing or publicity firm, you want to know that your investment is somehow going to pay off. And that's kind of was sort of the origin story of this podcast, because our goal as a marketing company and your goal, if you're marketing your book should be to get as many impressions to your book as possible. So I always tell authors, we are in we are in the business of building reader pathways to your book. That's our goal. We are paving the highway. We are getting readers to your book. But at the end of the day, the book sells the book. It's kind of the conversation that I have with authors with Amazon ads. They're like, well, Amazon ads going to sell my book. No, no. Your mm-hmm. book, your book sells your book bottom line. Um, And Amy, now that I've done somewhat of a lengthy intro, do you want to, do you want to run with this? Cause I know this was your idea based on many conversations that you also have with authors. Yeah. So Penny, you tend to have these conversations at the beginning and because I'm often the point of contact in the middle of the campaign, authors will check in with me and say, okay, the campaign has been running for three weeks and I'm looking at my sales numbers. Is this normal? What do you expect in the next couple? You know what I mean? Which again, as you said, they've made an investment. This is a big deal. You know what I mean? This is a big project for them. You put a book out there, you know, so we never want to diminish the work and the effort that's gone into that. But again, if we had definitive answers for that kind of stuff, we joke about it all the time, Penny, we'd already be retired and living in France. And <laughs> right. <laughs> We'd be selling campaigns that sell books and guarantee success. And we would have been doing that for a few years and be good to go, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, it, but it's really not that simple. And I think, um, and so when authors talk to me about that or ask me for my input, I like to remind them about the actual reader process of buying a book because it's easy to think, my book's not that expensive. Like people should be buying it. It's great. I've had a couple good reviews. Clearly people like it. I don't understand why everybody that lands on my book page doesn't just click buy. And it's true. Books are relatively inexpensive, but they're surprisingly not an impulse purchase for a lot of people. Yeah. 
Not that we don't do that occasionally, or if you know somebody gives you a recommendation, Penny, you may not be in the market to get a new book, but you might say, okay, I'm going to get it right now because they just reminded me and I'm just going to do it because they said it was great. Fine. We're not saying that never happens, but for the most part, books are not impulse purchases. And the reason is not because they're expensive, but it's because books demand a lot of someone's time. And honestly, my time is a lot hotter commodity than money. Most of the time, Penny, you know, like a $5 Kindle book or even a $12 or $15 print book. That's not a big deal, but the hours it will take me to read that book at some point is a really big deal to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm very careful about when I buy new books. I tend to buy new books when I'm in the market to read a new book or when I'm close to finishing a book, you know what I mean? And, And it's like, okay, I need a new book. But it's not as it's not as impulsive. It's not as as random. It's not so much about the money that I think a lot of authors think it is. I think they forget that the human element of the buyer psychology behind what a book demands when somebody goes to click buy. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that we just did a show actually that landed on December 15th about book pricing. So book pricing definitely factors into it. But I think that if you are listening to this and you're thinking, well, maybe I don't really understand how, why my book is not selling. It could also be, so we talk, so in marketing, the term sales funnel is kind of a thing, right? So what's your sales funnel? What's your sales funnel? Sales funnel doesn't so much apply, I think in this case, but it's worth kind of taking a little bit of a side journey and mentioning it, I think, um, because your social media, your website, your newsletter, um, any reader um, arc, advanced reader groups that you have at your disposal, those are all sales funnels. Those are all, and those are all impressions, right? Everything, when it comes to buying a book, everything matters, right? And everything that you put out there is your resume and everything is everything that you're doing, everything that you're touching um, is all, those are all the things that help to drive readers. And when I talk about like your website being your sales funnel, and again, we don't want to go too far down this road because that's actually technically a different show. Your website should invite readers to want to know more, maybe sign up for your newsletter, get more information on your book, things like that. All of those factor into enticing and inviting the reader to buy your book. So as we said early on in the show, it's very much multi-layered. Like there's a lot of different, people don't usually just go to Amazon like, oh, I'm going to get this. And then they wind up with, even, you know, Kindle readers. I remember when Ebooks, I'm gonna so totally date myself, but I'm gonna when ebooks first came out, and you're like, oh my gosh, you can have so many books on this Kindle reader. This is awesome. The downside now that we know is, oh my gosh, I have so many books on my Kindle reader. Like, I don't even know. I went to Amazon the other day, Amy, literally, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get this book. This looks really interesting. And Amazon sent me a like there was a little notice that you bought this book back. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I already have this book and it's on my Kindle reader, and I've totally forgot about it. You know, yep. I have so many books that I quote unquote purchased because back when the flurry of inexpensive 99 cent deals, things like this. So I'm, I'm, you know, which is a little dated as well. 
that I wasn't actually, I hate to say it, I wasn't actually that interested in. I was very superficially interested in, and it was cheap. But sadly, Penny, I probably won't read them because they're not really in my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Right, right. So yes, you know, so it was a cheap sale for somebody, but I'm not going to be a reviewer someday because again, it was not really a book that I would ever buy thoughtfully. And I think we've really moved out of that kind of frantic, cheap, limited time, you know, 99 cent and freebie, you know, book buying where you just load up your Kindle um, because it, it just doesn't work that way anymore. And I think you also, as authors need to, and we talk about doing a reader profile all the time, you know, when yeah. you're figuring out yeah. your marketing plan, when you're figuring out your branding, all of that, we always encourage authors to do a reader profile. It's actually never too late to do a reader profile, you know, because you will learn a lot no matter what. And so no matter what point in your journey you're on, do a reader profile. It's super insightful. We will put a link in the show notes. We have one that you can use. It's free. But you need to remember who your buyers are as well, because your market will also give you some insight into the kind of how quickly and how your readers buy books. So for example, if your readers are typically women who are in an age group where they are working and running a household and they may have kids, so they're juggling after school curriculars and weekend sports and all the things, that person probably doesn't have a lot of free time. And so her book buying choices are going to reflect that. That person is going to be a very thoughtful book buyer because that person's reading is 100% her me time, her self-care. You know what I mean? She has to plan ahead to read that book that she's got, you know? So if that is your market, that's great. Those are, I mean, I think right now that is the biggest, you know, buying just general retail buying, you know, demographic you can have in your corner. So that's awesome. But that person also doesn't have a ton of free time. So those authors are probably going to have to have quite a few more touches, like Penny mentioned, you know, different points in that sales funnel where you need to connect with them before they're finally going to click buy. And then, you know, just one other example, if your readers are typically men of retirement age, you know, or at least maybe empty nesters, like there's a good chance they have a solid like to be read list on their Kindle or stacked up, you know, with, you know, and I use this as an example, big name authors whose like 40th book just came out. I'm like channeling my father right now, if anybody's, (laughs) (laughs) but he is a super reader. He'll read like 10 or 12 books a month. I'm not even kidding. Um, And he reads new authors and older, but needless to say, like your reader market matters because it does affect their buying behavior. So when you're thinking sales aren't coming in, I, you know, my book has been out for four weeks. Why haven't I sold more books? Or my book has been out for two months. Why haven't I sold more books? You know, the sales are going to come if you are getting those touches in, like Penny mentioned, and doing the right things to get in front of the right people. But the timeline is not something that you can control. Right. Right. That's absolutely true. The timeline is not something that you can control, which is why when we talk about book sales and I, and I, and I'm not just trying to talk about the work that we do, although it's pretty relevant in this case, the majority of the time, the book sales that come from the work that we do 
happen after the campaign is over. Part of the reason for that is because cumulatively, different things hit, right? So this, you know, this review hit or this happened or, you know what I mean? So, so that helps to kind of move the needle. And that's really what you have. That's why we always talk to authors, like you've got to, marketing is a conversation. And the minute that you stop that conversation, the marketing stops. You know, the, the minute that you stop marketing, the conversation stops. I had, I had it a little bit in reverse. Um, and this is part of the reason why I like things like Amazon ads, for, for example. So a lot of times authors will say, well, um, how many books is, you know, my Amazon ad dashboard doesn't seem like it's selling books, right? So first off, the Amazon ad dashboard, we could do, do a whole show on this. I have huge problems with the Amazon ad dashboard. Amy and I just had a conversation about the Amazon ad dashboard before we started recording. I want to throw the Amazon ad dashboard out the window. I wish that they would figure something else out. Part of the reason is because it's a little bit glitchy. So the sales on the Amazon ad dashboard are not always reported on time or accurately, blah, blah, blah. So first off, take the Amazon, the sales on the Amazon ad dashboard and throw that out the window. The reason that I like Amazon ads is because every time the book presents to the correct reader, it is now in front of them. And it is that multiple impression thing that feeds into that reader journey that gets people like, oh my gosh, I keep seeing this book. I have to buy this book because I keep seeing it. So your ads are there for exposure. Yes, you want to sell books. Obviously, that's the whole purpose of the ad journey, right? But let's say, for example, that I'm on Amazon and I see an ad for a book and... um And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't have time. Like Amy was saying, like, oh, I have a lot on my to-be-read pile. Two weeks later, like I finish a book on my to-be-read pile and I'm like, I see the ad again for the book. I'm like, oh, maybe I want to get it this time. And like, and then something interrupts me or whatever. And then I, then I come back to Amazon. I'm like, oh, I have to figure out what that book was. I think I want to get it now. And then I go into Amazon and I type the name of the book or thereabouts, and the book comes up, and I click it without even clicking the ad. So the ad has helped me get exposure, has helped the author get exposure, but is not necessarily contributed to a click, right? This is where the, this is where like bloggers and reviewers and influencers and BookBub ads, which we do, and Goodreads, which I know some of y'all have kind of a love-hate relationship with, I get it, But this is where all of this kind of comes into play because the more that you can get it in front of the correct readers, and I emphasize correct readers because that's also a thing, as we know, the more that you are going to drive that reader journey, the more pathways that you are going to pave to your book on Amazon driving more traffic to the Amazon page. And then obviously go back and listen to our shows on your Amazon book page because the Amazon book page has to convert. That's another thing too. So it's kind of like now, you know, we just got done with all the holiday season and parties and people getting, you know, people invite you to their dining, to their dinner table, but they cannot force you to eat. Of course, not going to somebody's house and saying, no, I don't want any of your food is kind of rude. Ironically, that happens all the time in, in book publishing, where you invite readers and they want, they land on your Amazon page and your book description is one sentence and your book cover is awful. I'm not saying any of our listeners have this going on, but some people do. 
um, and somebody is just going to leave your page. So your Amazon page has to also actively participate in the reader journey. Amy, did I totally just belabor this and go down the wrong road? No, not at all. I mean, I think this is a <laughs> such a long pause. I'm like, oh, I put her to sleep. I no, no, sorry. My my guard dogs were acting up, so I was trying not to distract from what you were saying. I love your guard dogs; they're amazing. <laughs> but no, I think I think you made a really you added the other side of this that you know we can only control so much in terms of how the reader is going to react, and so what we can do is all the right things in terms of impressions, in touches, in being consistent, in ensuring that you have a well-done professional-looking product and retail page for when they do get there. You know what I mean? So it's really, you have to be really smart and do really well on the things that you can control. But then when it comes to predicting sales and all those kind of things, you really have to keep in mind that you can't control when readers are going to respond. Yeah. And I think that is, it's easy to forget that because again, we respect y'all have put in a bunch of time and effort to get that book out there. You've invested in marketing, whether you're doing it yourself or with the team, it's a lot. And we know you want to sell books. We want people to sell books too, but we've done shows on this. You can't get stuck in that mindset of having your book sales at any particular point be the full reflection of what you're doing in, in your long-term plan, you know? Right. I mean, we have to, yeah, we have definitely talked about this quite a bit where we, 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 we really encourage you not to be discouraged by the lack of book sales. Because the other piece of it though, too, is, is that as I mentioned with, with the stuff that we do, you know, we, we never really talk about book sales with authors because it's very much a slippery slope, but in many cases, the book sales, um, the majority of them come after the campaign has closed only because there is the cumulative, you know, the whole, the, 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 accumulation of all of the things that are going on that the author's doing that we're doing etc um and i think that it's really important to focus on how many different ways can you get in front of your reader such that your reader journey is this beautiful paved highway to your amazon page as opposed to looking at your and it's it's hard not to do that like i get it cuz i'm an author sometimes i look at things i'm just like oh my gosh but the other factor, though, too, in, so in my case, for my books, my books have a huge pass-through factor. And I know this from having talked to authors. So I will have an author, and I sell more print books than um, e-books, generally speaking. So uh, there, an author takes one of my books and reads it and shares it with their author group, and they all pass it around. And there's maybe 15 people. And you may be listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, those are 15 sales. But for me, my book has a different end goal. So my books are both to educate, yes, but they're also an expansion and extension of the business. So I think that's also a conversation that you need to have with yourself is, what is this, what is the end goal of this book? When I get on the phone with authors, I ask them, what is your goal? It's particularly for nonfiction, obviously. I have some, what is your goal for writing this book? 
And sometimes it, they kind of get stumped. Many, most of the time, they really enjoy the question because it gets them thinking. But think about what your end goal is for this book, right? Is it the first book in a series, of, you know, a, not a fiction series, and you really want to build your reader base and the first book becomes, yes, you want it to sell, but the first book also becomes sort of your platform builder, right? Um, or is your first book, you know, is your is it a nonfiction book that's going to help to build your business, drive your speaking, send people to your website, et cetera? That all factors. And, and Amy, when you and I work on proposals, we also look at this. We also look at the author's goals as a way to incorporate that into the, the proposals that we recommend to them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and the work that we recommend, because it also factors into the discoverability of the book, the author, the author journey, as, we, as we've talked about a few times, things like that. Oh yeah. Well, in an author on author's goals, and especially we really appreciate when authors are really candid with us about what how much self-promotion they're willing to do going forward. You know, True. like we would never encourage an author to utilize one of our social media, you know, strategies if they were like, I hate social media. I never want to be on social media. Like, you know what I mean? No, well, you should try it. You know what I mean? It's like, no, if they're not going to use it ongoing, that's not where we should be spending our time to support them, you know, for a short amount of time. I think I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that is part of the strategies that you're considering for your book. It's also important to consider what you don't want to do. And I think that's a really fair, I think that's a very fair question right? Um, what do you not want to, what do you really, what do you really not resonate with? Right. Exactly. You know, now if your list ends up being really, really short, you might have to go out of your comfort zone a little bit. (laughs) Well, and that's kind of right. And that's kind of the thing too, you know, is that a lot of this, you know, a lot of this really does demand that we get out of our comfort zone to some extent. Um, and do things that we're not comfortable with. And, you know, if you're, if that's kind of your thinking, I recommend get, take some classes, get some education, get some coaching, or, you know, hire somebody to, to, you know, to do it for you. If that's kind of, if, if that's more your thing, but, Mm -hmm. um, no, I think Amy, I'm glad that we did a show on this because I think this is really, um, it's really, really helpful for authors to understand where that that reader journey comes from because it's not a one and done direct thing at all. Exactly. It would be nice if it was, but it's just not anymore. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you. I want to wish you all again, a very happy uh, 2024. I can't believe I'm already saying, you know, it's funny, like when you become an adult, like we spend so much of our time saying, Oh my God, I can't believe it's already whatever it is, such and such. Right. Because things Time just seems to go, time just seems to go by so quickly. But I wish you all a very happy 2024. As ever, we welcome show ideas wherever you listen to podcasts. And we also love reviews. We check them a lot. So thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.